Today we start a new series. Uh, you ready for it? Say amen. amen. The series is called How to Manage the Rainy Days. Put my graphic back up if you would, please. I want to show you my, my little girl who's trying to manage her rainy days. You see her? Um, that's a grandparent bias. That's what Diane says. That's why we have a little baby and little girl now. Managing the rain. Trying to figure out how to manage the rain in her life. And she's holding a little umbrella. And there's something about understanding that's how life is. A lot of times it rains and you don't know what to do about the rain. I'm supposed to teach another series this month, but I switched it. I was going to teach on repentance. And I decided to hold off on that for a little bit. And I, I was in a conversation with somebody, and, and this series jumped in my heart when we were talking because they were telling me about the rain in their lives. And I told them a story about how one day I, I was on the way to church, and it rained, and I was upset a little bit. Um, and I, I, I think I was upset with God, and I kind of prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, you know, you have every day in the week to rain. Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Saturday. Now, why on Sunday do we have to have rain? And, and, and this thought came to my mind, do I stop being God because it rains? And what came to my mind is he's the God. He's still God on rainy days. Do you believe he's still God on rainy days? And as I shared this with this person, it, it came to me, if you're going to build a future, you have to know how to manage rainy days. And so there are four sermons I'm going to share with you this month along that whole theme. Because I believe that rain is a part of the process. And I think you can't run from it. You can't be afraid of it. You can't allow yourself to be intimidated by it. And so repeat the topic with me today, please. Say how, how? to manage your rainy days. We're going to look at a guy named Job. His name is not Job, by the way. His name is Job. And Job is a guy who's going to show us five things. Now, I want, you, I want to cheat. I want you to go to the bottom of your sermon notes. Flip your notes over, if you would, please, if you've got sermon notes. Flip them over, and I'm going to go down, and I'm going to show you five things that we're going to learn today. And it's going to give us a plan to manage our rainy days. One of the reasons why some people don't listen to you when you preach is they don't know where you're going. So I want to take you to the end so you know where I'm headed. And these are the five main things that I want you to learn from Job's life. And Job is a man who did have a lot of rain in his life. The first thing you're going to notice is you're going to learn how to maintain a good attitude. Say that with me, please. Come on. Maintain a good attitude. That's the first thing you're going to learn from Job. When you're in a rainy day situation and things are difficult and your life is falling apart, you have to maintain a good attitude. Secondly, you're going to learn how to see beyond the rainy days. Sometimes the challenge is you can't see beyond. Say, see, see. Beyond. beyond. That's the key. If you can see beyond what happened to you, see beyond what was said to you, see beyond this bad moment. You're in the middle of a bad moment, a bad exchange. It's tense. It's difficult. Can you see beyond this moment? If you cannot see beyond it, you're not going to do well. Thirdly, you have to learn to be patient and wait. Come on, say, be patient, be patient. and wait. There's something about being patient. There's something about knowing, okay, it's not going to happen today. This is not going to happen in five minutes or in two minutes or in a day. this may be a year. You know, there's something about locking in for the long term. And Job was a man who was good with his attitude under pressure. He could see beyond. He was patient. But then I, the fourth thing is important. You have to learn how to expect days of personal struggle. There are days 
when you will struggle. You, will, you can pray, you can read the Bible, you can go to church, but they're just, they're just, it hits you wrong. Uh, it's just not, you're not in sync that day, and you don't say it all right. You don't feel that great. There are moments when pastoring is harder for me than other days. There are moments when preaching is tougher. There are moments when you just can't quite get in the rhythm. There are moments when you think you didn't do a good job. And it's very difficult when you're public and you think you don't look good, you didn't do well. Um, and at, at the end of the day, you have to accept that that's part of it. That's part of what you do. And then lastly, you have to learn not to be influenced by negative and short-sighted people. You can't allow yourself to be influenced by people who can't see. Sometimes they're good people, but they just can't see far. They, they have not had the experience. They have not had enough exposure, travel, knowledge, whatever, to understand that what they're telling you is not good. Now, if you are honest and you go back in your life um, and you, uh, you look back at some of the advice you gave people, some of it was short-sighted. A friend of mine once came to me, and he was telling me about um, he was getting um, ridiculed because of a house he was building and some things he was doing, and God had blessed him. And, and they, were, they, they put his house out on the Internet, and, 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 and uh, they put the dimensions of his house out on the Internet. It was horrible. And uh, it just no privacy. And he just he looked at me, and he said, Rick, I just really, really just, I don't know whether I should continue with this house or not, and I'm just frustrated by it. And in my heart, I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe that's a good idea. That was a bad advice. They'll get over it. They'll catch up later in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen. If you didn't steal, you worked hard, God bless you, let them catch up. Come on, say amen. Come on, amen, let them catch up. Oh, come on, give a big hand. I'm right about that. Let them catch up. Don't be worrying about people. You spend all your life working hard like he did to get to that place. The best advice would have been to say, no, man, just keep moving. They'll, they'll catch. And they did catch up. He got the house. They're fine. Nobody died. It's all good. And at the end of the day, they learned that that's not their house and they should go worry about where they live. If he didn't steal, he didn't. He worked really hard. He's a hardworking man. And so I think there are moments in life when you learn that negative people sometimes are just short-sighted. They're not necessarily bad people. Uh, they just can't see that far. And because I never had a house like that, I didn't quite know what to tell him either. But uh, I'm learning. Say amen. Go back to the top of your notes. Let's talk about Joe's family for a minute. What I want to show you is a list of things that happened to Job that he had to manage. Job had to manage some very difficult circumstances. First of all, his family is attacked. Then his health is attacked. And then his fears, his greatest fears come into his life. And then he finds himself having to come to a place where his friends turn on him. So he's got it from all sides. His friends, his family is attacked, his finances, his health. He's surrounded. How well do you do with those moments in your life? Now, let me set the stage before I read anything to you first. I want you to understand the setting. Some of you may not know the story of Job. The book of Job is in the Old Testament, and it tells a story in chapter 1 of who he was. He was a great guy. He was a righteous guy. He was a godly guy. He had a lot of stuff. We're a very rich guy. And this guy was known um, and described in Scripture as incredibly good in his region. He was one of the, right, the most righteous men. So this was not a guy with an attitude or a problem. Had a good spirit. And in, the, in this exchange, if you read chapter 1, there is an exchange that's really odd about this guy because what you get in chapter 1 of Job is a behind-the-scenes. 
Let's practice that. Come on, say behind, behind. The, scenes. the scenes. You didn't switch. Join the future. Come on. Behind what? Behind the what? The scenes. Behind the scenes. God shows you a behind the scenes look. This is a very unique place in the Bible because this is where God says basically to Satan, there's an exchange, a heavenly exchange about Job. And Satan goes to God and says, hey, and it's really interesting because you, you get this real deep sense of the spiritual world that exists behind this. You know, the, the Bible teaches there is a literal devil and there is a spiritual world beyond this world. The Bible teaches that. Now, you may not believe in that, but all you have to look at your family and say, who did that? <laughs> that could not be accidental. They, they're too messed up. There's too much going on. There's too many, too many fights. Some of the people that you dated, think about it for a second. When you look at them now, you must have been under some influence. When you look back, it's hard to believe. I actually, I actually was with this person. This is hard to believe. When you look back at some of the things you liked, some of the choices you made, some of the fights you got in. I saw a lady the other day. Uh, she was uh, a lady. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. But she was mad with the lady. I hope you're not in here. Maybe you're watching. I don't know. But um, I saw you if you did this. She was, um, the lady did something in her car. She had a moment of car rage. She got out of the car, went to the lady's window, and was beating on the lady's window. She said, get your black out of here. I'm going to beat you right here in the middle of the street. I looked at that lady. I said, wow, this is, I get my camera out. I need to film this. This is bad. And I, I was about to say something, but I, I thought, well, let's see if it work out first before I get involved. So, <laughs> I was a good distance from her, you know, but I, I before, if, 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 the lady didn't get out of the car, thank God. She stayed in the car. She stayed in, the, in her space. But the woman was mad. I mean, she was prancing like a tiger. Get out that car. I said, get out the car. I'm going to beat you today. You cut me off. I said, well, get in your car. What's amazing is the police is three cars behind. He must be, I don't know what he's doing, but missed everything. I want to say, did you see what's going on? There's a fight. But I, I think there's something, there's something about seeing how uh, you, you see that. You, you, you got to know there's something behind the scenes. And so in Job chapter, Job, in Job you have this incredible moment where Satan is talking to God and God makes a statement. It's really profound. Have you seen my servant Job? It's a great statement. Have you seen him? He's amazing. Godly, rich, blessed. It's, it, it's, it's a great moment where you see how God feels about you when you do, you do right. And so in this exchange, you see... There's this amazing moment where God allows, Satan makes a statement. He says, you know what? He serves you only because he has everything. You got a hedge around him. He's got family. He's got health. He's got all this stuff. If he didn't have that, he wouldn't serve you. And what's interesting is you get another behind-the-scenes look. God says, well, okay, I'll tell you what. Um, take his stuff. Take his family. Take his health. Just don't kill him. I'm going to prove to you you're wrong. Now, some of you say, uh, excuse me, God, could you use somebody else? I don't need you to use me to prove anything. But if you're honest, you've proven through your trials and through the difficulties, through the things that's happened to you, you saw something you didn't see. You saw God was able. Come on, say amen. Huh? Come on, God was able. Well, we jump in this story. When Job is facing this trouble, and the first thing that happens to him is his family is attacked. 
in Job chapter 1, verse 13. Now, there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest, oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them and the Sabians raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, say that with me, please, come on. While he was still speaking, look, one trial's over and another one starts. The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And the servant said, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another one also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands and raided the camels and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone am here to have escaped to tell you. In your, in your world, it would be like this. All of a sudden, I lost my job and all my tools for making money. My retirement account was wiped clean, had no money at all. And they came and they took my cars, took my microwave, took all my furniture, burned my house down. Everything that I owned was taken away. And all my ability to make money was taken away. That's what that literally says. So Job lost his money and his money-making tools, the oxen, the sheep, the camels, everything was gone. The servants, everything was gone. What about that? Didn't stop there. Next thing he loses was his children. Verse 18. While he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. So a tornado comes and it fell on the young men and they, they're dead. And I alone have escaped. I alone have escaped to call you, to tell you. It's kind of like God's calling you. <laughs> calling you to look for your phone and see where it is in Jesus' name. Find it in Jesus' name. Find that phone. Lord, say, Lord, Jesus. I'm trying to get you, trying to get you. But Job, despite all that happened, despite all that took place, loses his children. Loses his job, car, van, microwave, furniture. Loses everything. The Bible said this in verse 20. Job arose, tore his, clo tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and he did what? Worship. He worshipped. Didn't curse. He worshipped. Wow. Wow. Now, there are a lot of people who try to explain this away. And it's always amazing to me that you just don't, I don't know why, where they get the theological right to do that. The Bible is to be interpreted literally unless it's obviously figurative. For example, the Bible said under God's wings you trust. That doesn't mean God's a bird. It's painting a picture. So you always interpret the Bible literally unless it's obviously figurative in its meaning. There's something clear here. The guy's in trouble. And here's, here's what I've learned. If you live long enough, and you, you'll see people, good people, face trouble. They didn't do anything. There's no indication he did anything. And if you look behind the scenes, you know he didn't do anything. This is a trial. It's a test. And God's proud of how he's standing up. 
God knew he would respond this way. He's omniscient. He knew. He doesn't serve me for stuff. He doesn't serve me to be a pastor. He doesn't serve me for any of that. He doesn't serve me to be up here in front of anybody. You can take Ricky Temple, take him out of this suit. You can put him in the audience, and he'll be fine. He is not doing it for fame, for glory, for anything. See, God knows your heart. God knows exactly why you do what you do. And he said, you know what? I'm going to prove to you that he serves me because he loves me. Go ahead and take it from him. Go ahead. It doesn't matter. And what, in, the, in the end, I want you to understand, when you look behind the scenes, it's different. Some of you are so worried about the loss of somebody. Don't you know they just went through a door behind the scenes? Jesus said, come on in. They, 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 they're getting their heavenly reward. You're crying because they lost. You lost them, but God gained them. Come on, say amen. amen. So come on, say amen. You hear what I'm saying to you? You've got to learn. You've got to learn to look by, behind the scenes. And, and there's, a, there's a powerful principle here because this guy is standing up, and he's strong, and here's what he does. He worships God, and he said some incredible words. He said words that I don't know that I could say. I hope I can. Here's what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. I didn't have a suit. I didn't have a tie. I didn't have a suit. I had not any of this. When I came here, I had nothing. And then what he said, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave. Read this out loud with me, please. Come on. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the what? Name of the Lord. God gave me Diane. If I live long enough, I will not have her. God gave me my children. If I live long enough. Now, see, here's what you You can struggle with this. You can struggle with this. Call it negative. But all you got to talk to some old people. Amen. Talk to people who've lived a while. Talk to people who've lost their mother, their, their cousins. Their, to talk to people. I was one, when I lost my mother in 1999, I was just so overwhelmed, you know. And I remember I was, I was telling one of our members. And here's what they told me. It was amazing. It was just, they didn't say it in any way. Just, you know, just kind of dropped it out there. Well, I lost my mother, I lost my father, and I lost four siblings. I said, oh, boy. I had no clue that their, their loss was greater than mine. And, and, and there's something about realizing that there are, there are millions of people who die a year. And when you look at how many people go through strife and loss, and, and, and I mean, it's It's amazing. It's amazing. To have this attitude with that much personal tragedy. And here's the key. You didn't do anything. <laughs> then it doesn't stop there. If you go down, he, he loses his children, but he stands strong. And then watch, he, he now in chapter 2, verse 7, becomes physically challenged. So Satan went from the presence of the Lord and Job and struck Job with painful boils. So Satan goes back to God, has another behind-the-scenes conversation. And the next thing that happens to him, he's struck with boils from the, from, the, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And this is stuff that's leaking, smelly. This is ugly. This is, this is bad stuff. There's no, med, no doc, no hospital to go to, you know. This is just bad. Kind of isolate yourself. And, he, and what's interesting, it got so bad, his wife spoke to him and said, why don't you just curse your God in verse 9 and die? Wow. So you're sick, you're broke, your kids are dead, and your wife says, I really, I really wish you'd just die. Now, this is horrible. This is horrible. Here's what he told her in verse 10. You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? Hey, look, I can, I can deal with good and bad. My love for God is not tied to perfect days. 
So you reveal a lot about yourself when you whine and complain about challenge. You reveal a lot about your level of devotion. You reveal a lot about how committed you are when you're married to somebody and they're not perfect. You know, you commit, you, you, you go on a job and it's not perfect. So what does this mean? Okay, so you only want to work here when it's perfect. See, notice Job's attitude. I'm not going to whine and complain because it's not perfect. Now, I'm not saying you have to put up with abuse. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you have to stay under, under, the, under a crowd of abuse. But this is a moment in his life. But Job shows something that's amazing to me, and it inspires me. But then watch what happens. He says something. He finally speaks. In chapter 3, verse 25, Job says these words. The thing, read it out loud with me, please, come on. The thing I greatly feared has what? Come upon me. Pause for a second. He says, you know what I really was afraid of? I was afraid, you know, and all of us are. Who, who wants to lose everything? Who, who wants to be physically, who wants to be financially broke? I mean, lose all of your money, all, not just your money, your money-making tools. You can't even get another job. All of his crop was gone. All of his animals were gone. Everything, he couldn't, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't grow anything. And so all of a sudden, he's in this moment, and his, he admits it. I, I dread what happened to me. And another text, he even says, you know, I just cursed the day I was born. This has been horrible. And, and, and here's what I like about that. He's admitting he's having a struggle. He's admitting this is not a good day. He's admitting that I'm having a bad time. Now, when you have a bad time, what do you tend to do? Get with some friends, right? Your friends, you know, come on, Job, you're going to be all right. But here's, here's something I've learned. And, I, and I, friends don't always have the key I need. And it's, and it's not because, it's because they, they don't mean well, but sometimes they just don't know. Job's friends were sincere, but they were wrong. They were highly outspoken, and they accused him of being high and mighty. Now, <laughs> I like the message version of this uh, Job 34 text because it, it just, the way, the way his friend, in a sneaky way, criticizes him. You know how he just kind of sits down and says, well, Job... Listen, listen. God deposes the so-called high and mighty, you know, without asking questions and replaces them at, at once with others. Nobody gets by with anything, Job, overnight. Judgment is signed and sealed and delivered. Listen, Job, he, verse 26, he punishes the wicked for their wickedness out in the open where everyone can see, Job. That's how God works. You think I'm dumb? I know exactly what you're saying. You're saying it's my fault. <laughs> and I want you to listen to how they respond in verse, chapter 34, verse 12. They had this legalistic view that God let this all happen to Job for a reason. Here's what they said. He makes us pay, in verse 12 of, of Job, Job um, I have John, but it's really Job <laughs> 34. He makes us pay for exactly what we've done. No more, no less. I love this. Our chickens always come home to roost. It's impossible for God to do anything wicked, he goes on to say. Job, this must be your fault. Really? Have you ever tried to explain to people and you just couldn't? You, you, just, you try to explain, you don't know this guy. You don't know this guy I'm married to. You don't, you don't, you don't, you, you don't know how incredibly lazy he is, how incredibly wicked she is. She looks so wonderful, I know. 
You can't imagine these children. They look so nice when they're around you. You don't know. You don't work where I work. And you try to explain to people. And I'm not. And, and I don't want to say this. I believe in advice. I believe in inviting people in. And I believe in not putting all the blame on where I work, my wife, my children, or anybody. But there are times when you're in Job's place. You didn't do it. You didn't do it. They did it. Or sometimes you don't know why. You don't know the behind the scenes. All you know is I went in. I went to work. The supervisor doesn't like me. And that's all I can tell you. I don't know if it's my hair color. I don't know what it is. But I, I, they don't like me. And so what Job does is he just works with what he has. And sometimes that's all you can do. Now what's interesting is, in the end, Job's friends were wrong. Now I'm going to give you a verse. It's right there in your notes. Job 42 and 7. I'm not going to read it for you. I'm going to paraphrase it. Job 42 and 7, when all this is over with, and listen to me, it always comes to an end. Can you say that with me, please? Come on, say it. comes to an end. Say it again. Come on. It always comes to an end. It does. Listen to me. It always comes to an end. The job, the trial, the relationship, something, it always eventually, one way or the other, over time, comes to an end. So this comes to an end. And in the end, you look back and God says something amazing to Job's friends. You guys need to go out and apologize to Job because all of you were wrong. He says, as a matter of fact, he needs to pray for you. And so Job does. He prays for them. They have to offer a sacrifice for their own wrong. And, and I, I like this moment because sometimes you can't do anything but wait for it to be proven. Sometimes you can't say anything. You got to live through this season. And in the end, I love this, God restores Job and he gave him twice as much as he had before. I just like that verse. Job 42 verse 10 says, and the Lord restored Job's losses. When he prayed for his friends, indeed the Lord gave Job twice, read that with me please, come on, God gave how much? Twice as much as he had before. So he has kids, he has more kids, he has more grandkids, he has more houses, he has more servants, he has more oxen, he has more of everything. You see, I believe this is a guy who shows us how to manage rainy seasons in our lives. He shows us the power of being the kind of person who knows how to wait a minute. I love the fact that his extended family comes back into his life. I love the fact that his, his latter days are greater than his earlier days. And when I look at this man, I ask myself, Temple, what kind of attitude do you have during these seasons? And I must admit, I have not been this good. I have not always been this good. Sometimes when the rain comes, just in a conversation, if I'm not careful, I'll lose my attitude. I have to watch myself. I've also noticed that sometimes for me, it's hard to see beyond. Beyond this conversation, beyond this series of challenges, beyond this financial issue, beyond this season. And thirdly, I, I, I've just not always been patient. 
and I don't like personal struggles. I want to always be on top. I want to always be okay. I want to always be fine. And that is not how it is. And if I'm really honest, I have allowed negative people who are short-sighted to influence me. They influence how I feel in a whole day. I can meet, I can be doing so good. And one person can say one thing to me. And I'll think about it far longer than I should. I have to learn to say, this cannot be how I manage rain. Because rain comes all the time. It comes unexpectedly. I have to learn to say to myself, God put this in Scripture for a reason. I want to show you somebody who has more rain than you've had in your life. And I want to show you how they responded. And I want you to measure your response against their response, your faith against their faith, and ask yourself, why don't I believe like this? God has been good to me. God has been faithful to me. Why don't I rise up and have the kind of faith that this man had? I close with this. There, there's, a, there's a discipline that I've developed in the latter weeks of my life. And I've um, been working on it, praying about it, probably in the latter years of my life, last few years, because everything in my life is changing. And as my life changes and as my, my view changes, I find myself really having to make a courageous decision to stand up and know what I know. That's what I see in Job. He listened to his friends. He sat there and watched them talk about him. And all he could do is say, all right, that's how you see it. How you see it. All right, that's how you see it. And he just kind of listened to everybody and just kind of said, okay. But he knew what he knew. And he found the courage to be confident and to have faith and to know what he knows. See, in life, <clears throat> there were seasons when I found great identity in being dressed up. And I used to come to this church, I had to, I had to have a suit on. And now if I feel like a Levi day, I just throw a Levi day on because I know what I know. Amen. And there are days when, when uh, I've been up here, my feet hurt. I just took my shoes off, so you know what? Forget it. My feet hurt in Jesus' name. I'm taking these shoes off today. I'm going to preach barefoot because my feet hurt, praise God. I don't care what you think. Amen. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, say amen. amen. There, are days, there are days when the sermon didn't feel great. I did my best, and they didn't like it as much. I said, well, go by the table. Last week was better, praise God. I'm, I'm not going to worry myself. What in the world am I worried about? I've learned to say this is what I do and this is what I don't do. I've learned to say God is coming. I don't know when he's coming, but I know he's coming. If I look at my history, I can tell you, I know that my latter days are going to be better. I'm not going to let myself be controlled by the moment or by frustration because my God is a real God who's been with me all these years. Come on, say amen. You know, what is not in the Bible is whether this was Job's first rainy day. He might have had some before, but they're not recorded. He might have had some hardships before, but it's not written down for us. 
But I can promise you one thing. When you watch a man do like Job did, he had a bunch of rainy days. He had a bunch of practices. And he knew this is just another moment. This a, get my umbrella out and watch God work for me. Come on, say amen. God will work for me. And sometimes, sometimes nobody can help you. Sometimes people can't get to you. I closed with this story. I saw a woman the other day. She was at the bus stop. And she was out there, man, and it was raining hard the other day. It was raining. It was pouring down. And she had a little bitty umbrella. And she could barely fit in that umbrella. And that umbrella was hanging over. And she was like this. And I felt so sorry for her. I drove off for a minute. And I said, you know what? I got a big umbrella in my trunk. I said, I'm going to go back and give that woman the umbrella. And I turned my car around, and I was, it was storming. I mean, I said, I'm going to give this woman. I'm not going to. I can't take it anywhere now. I can't put it in my car. I can't drive around. I'm sorry. Praise God. I can't. <clears throat> there are occasions I have. You know, I, <laughs> boy, you know, people can say all kinds of things. Praise God. I, I got to be careful. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, ooh. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Brother trying to do right, guys. <laughs> I saw him. I, I got a video of him. Picking up a woman at the bus stop. Picking her up at the bus stop. That's his bus stop woman. I saw him. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I just got to work with my life. I got to work with my life. So I turned around to go get the woman the umbrella. When I got there, I was, I was fighting the rain because it was raining hard. And, and then all of a sudden, I noticed something happened. All of a sudden, I saw the bus coming. And I said, see that the Lord got a bus for that woman. Come on, God got a way for her. I can't, she'll never know I tried to save her. But God, come on, say amen. God got a bus coming for you. Do you believe God is able? Come on, shout amen. Father God, we thank you today in Jesus' name for your hand upon us and we give you praise. You're the God who knows how to bless us on the rainy days. And so God, we give you praise and believe that your hand is upon us, that you will bless us guide us, anoint us. You are the God of the rainy days. You're the God who shows up when the rain comes. We believe, Lord God, you're going to bless us, water us, and strengthen us. We'll come out of this stronger than before. Our vision will be strong. So, Lord, I ask you today, touch hearts, both here and home, for people who are struggling. May they learn from Job today. May they learn this month how to manage their rainy days and how to see them. And I give you glory and honor. With every head bowed, every hand down for a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need God in my life. I've been managing a lot of rain. But one thing I've never done is really give God my life. I want you to pray for me, Pastor. I want to start a life with Jesus today. I want to get my life going in the right direction spiritually. And I want you to pray for me. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Rick, I know you're right. I need to give my life to God today. You see, Job was a righteous man. He was serving God. And it showed giving God your life in the first place in your life opens up your life to a new opportunity, a new beginning for you. Whether you're here or home, wherever you are, on demand, watching this, this is your moment to pray this prayer with me. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray this prayer with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Raise your hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Say, yeah, I'm, I'm praying for you and for you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I want to know who I'm praying for now. Anybody else? Say, pray for me. Pray for me. I need to give my life. I need to give my life. I need to get my life on the right track. I see you. God bless you. 
Father, I pray for those who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts today, both here and home. And I pray, God, that the grace of God would be upon their lives. And I pray that they would open their minds to a new beginning with you. You died on the cross so that they could be free. And so, Lord, we acknowledge today their need for you and their need for a life change. I pray for your forgiveness in their life. You died to free them. You died so they could have a brand new start. May this be that day that they declare it in the name of Jesus. And everybody say amen. Thank you so much.